the cultural festival, which is Saturday, September 10th from 12 to 6 p.m. Steve Sherlock here for Franklin Matters, Franklin Public Radio, anywhere on the internet at WFPR.FM and in the local Franklin Mass area FM dial at 102.9. Here today for a town council quarterbacking session with our council chair, Tom Mercer. Tom, good morning. Happy Thursday. Hey, good morning to you, Steve, and another happy Thursday to you. Yeah. Now for the listeners, yeah, there was a council meeting. It was uh, almost, what, two weeks ago at this point. <laughs> and schedules being what they were, you know. And that's well, that's because one of us had to kind of go on a little trip and uh, visit some other countries. Well, so. And then you had uh, some business to do as well because you were covering yeah. for others. So, I mean, you know, it, it works out, right? It, it does, for sure, Steve. It does, yes. for sure. Welcome back, and I'm glad you had a great trip. Yes. Uh, we'll have more on that later. Um, yeah. It was certainly full of educational experiences, eye-opening in many ways. And uh, yeah, there's there's a whole lot there. So for the listeners, if you haven't heard, um, what we're about to do is get into this town council quarterbacking, as we call it. So, okay, what just happened? <laughs> and what does it mean for the Franklin residents? And we'll be talking about the August 17th meeting of the council, the only one for August. And also probably get into teasing on what's coming up in September, because we've got a couple of meetings there. But going back, uh, there were a number of appointments made to boards and committees and commissions. And that was one of the key pieces the council took action on that Wednesday. Yes. And uh, and again, these are uh, these are appointments that are made by the town administrator and then ratified by the council. Uh you know, we we did a lot of these over the last uh, couple of months, uh, the annual appointments that come up yep, and the these were just yep. some more of the uh, fill ins of fulfilling terms uh, kind of spots that have come up. So mm -hmm. uh, and obviously some new appointments. So uh, we uh, for the Cultural Council, we brought on board Brianna Cummings. And Lauren Sanford, uh, both two new members uh, to the uh, Cultural Council. But these, again, uh, uh, we appreciate the fact that people are stepping forward and uh, looking to give back a little to the community, give some of their knowledge and some of their expertise to uh, making our community a better place. Mm hmm and then we had uh, uh, design review. We had two uh, two new appointments to design review: Cassandra Bethany and uh, Paul Lopez. Uh, again, both uh, new people to uh, town committees and so forth. And uh, we welcome them and thank them for jumping on board with the design review. The you know, that's kind of a committee that gets to see uh, uh, a lot of what's coming down the road, maybe a little sooner than some others. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. so uh, uh, again, we welcome them to uh, uh, serving the community and serving and uh, giving some of their expertise. Then there was one appointment to the Finance Committee, Stephanie Koch. Um, and again, that's one of those 
uh, one of the committees that's, again, very important to our community and sometimes a little bit of a forgotten uh, uh, committee, but it's uh, a committee that kind of reviews everything actually before it gets to the council. Yeah, they've got a unique uh, role in that regard. They've got a unique role in that regards where they do, as you said, um, functionally, uh, it should intentionally review all the financial stuff before you get it. Um, right. It may still go through you and then out to another subcommittee like the budget, capital budget, et cetera. But um, FinCom generally gets the first crack at it and effectively allows you on their behalf that's where they take and get into the details of the specific line items on all the budget pieces on all the departments whereas you get more into from a town council perspective kind of the the top level the high level you know the the key themes as to what's going on but they get into the dirty details absolutely and during the budget process uh, i think you hear us all certainly i myself but i know you hear from other counselors as well the, how important the finance committee is to us these are all finance people that are, are looking at our budgets and as you said deep digging deeper into it than the council might during a public hearing uh so that we get a report from them, obviously, as to uh, uh, the budget and what's going on. But every piece, every financial piece uh, that comes before the council first goes through the finance committee and gets either voted on, approved or not approved before it comes to the council. Mm -hmm. Yep. So we, we certainly uh, uh, welcome Stephanie to uh, the Finance Committee and look forward to good things coming from there. Then uh, <clears throat> the Historical Commission, we had uh, three appointments, uh, Scott Mason, Janice Prentice, uh, and then uh, William Lee as the associate uh, member of the Historical Commission. Uh, Again, that's uh, another uh, local committee that uh, uh, not everybody's aware is out there, but they are looking. Uh, they help us uh, with the museum piece. They help us uh, look at the historical pieces within the town. Uh, you know, uh, one that comes to mind, you know, obvious, or one or two that come to mind very quickly is... You know, when we have issues, and as we have had with the South Franklin Church, mm -hmm. uh, the brick school, uh, these kinds of things that uh, the Historical Commission uh, takes a very integral part of uh, making sure that things are going uh, properly and that as uh historical pieces of the community come up for sale and get reviewed by the historical commission if in fact there's something there that needs to be kept uh obviously it goes uh uh comes back to the council recommended from the, the historical commission as to how they see things so uh another uh history uh class uh, i know anytime i've ever been 
before them. Uh, I sit there and listen, and it's uh, very eye-opening to mm-hmm. hear some of the historical facts of our community. And uh, I know you've been involved in many of them. Joe Landry does a lot of our historical, but there's a lot of history in our community. And uh, this is just one of those commissions that kind of uh, keep an eye on it, make sure we don't all forget it. Right. Yeah. And then their role, certainly they provide oversight, as you said, to the museum and to the historical aspects. And one other key piece that they do get from time to time is if there's a building potentially being demolished that is of a certain age, they get to review that and make sure that um, is that okay, (laughs) or should we really keep it and do something else with it, et cetera. So, yeah, that's the one other piece where they come up from time to time, depending upon, you know, some demolition requests. Without question, they certainly do. Yeah. And then uh, the last appointment was a housing authority, uh, the tenant seat, uh, where it's somebody who lives in the uh, um, in the community, uh, in, in the uh, housing authority. That And Christopher Lennon was the uh, tenant that was appointed uh, by Jamie and again ratified by uh, the council. And we welcome uh, Chris to uh, the Housing Authority and again, thank him in advance for his service and the fact that he would take the time to uh, give, of his, give of his time and give of his knowledge and helping from the tenant side of things and the, being the voice of the tenant on the Housing Authority. So. Yeah, and that's an interesting group. I've reported on some of their meetings when I've been able to, uh, based on the schedule, my own schedule and their schedule, of course, try and get to them because they are at uh, Central Park Terrace, which conveniently is in my neighborhood, so I can get to there fairly easily. But that's an amazing organization where it sits, you know, kind of at a juncture where they've got federal funding that they manage, they have state funding that they manage, and yet they do manage the housing, which is physically in Franklin, although they also have a management relationship for a facility in Norfolk as well. Um, and getting that tenant seat there on the board, that's that's an interesting development. I That certainly will help, I think, not that they've had issues, but that it'll help kind of that perspective, I think, in terms of th- this is what we're doing. And oh, by the way, we are doing with our clients and tenants as well. Yeah. Then you had a licensed transaction where one of the uh, well-recognized, although from time to time, I think there's been some change in the ownership of the operation, but the restaurant uh, facility next to the municipal building is now going to be reopening, and there was a license transfer to enable that. Yes, uh, we did. We uh, uh, It was nice to see uh, alumni uh, restaurant, which is right uh, was formerly alumni restaurant, uh, which was is right next to the municipal building. Uh, their uh, common victual is licensed. Uh, was transferred to uh, Box Seats or ACT Hospitality, uh, doing business as Box Seats. Uh, Box Seats is an established uh, restaurant uh, over in North Attleboro. Uh, actually in uh, the Tower Square, right on Route 1, there's a little Tower Square behind mm-hmm. yeah. the uh, fire station. 
and Box Seats has been there for a number of years. Uh, I am a little familiar with it. I have an office about a quarter of a mile away, and we have had many lunches at Box Seats. So uh, it's a it's a really neat restaurant that uh, has a really varied menu and uh, uh, Arthur Tigbedes, uh, who is the general manager. Uh, and we'll be the general manager in Franklin as well. And uh, we certainly uh, we voted to transfer that license, and we welcomed Arthur and look forward to box seats uh, opening up right next door to the town hall. And kudos to the folks who had been operating alumni. I you know they went through some Absolutely. trying times, obviously COVID related as well, and then family issues, and they decided to step back and now create this opportunity. And it sounds like it's a really good established organization coming in and Franklin will benefit from that. So that's good. Yes, they will. Yeah, it'll be good things. Then you had a couple of key presentations. I know uh, with the cultural festival coming up next weekend in uh, September 10th, um, Cultural Council provided an update, and then the green community status uh, was formally uh, reviewed for the first time, although we've been hearing from green community here and there and grants, et cetera. So it was good yeah. to get both of those together. Right. It, it was. And, uh, you know, these are the these are the uh, presentations that over time uh, residents will uh, contact the counselors and uh, ask about what's going on with this particular thing or that particular thing. And uh, we try and bring it up under new business. And uh, if it's something that we think is something that should be on a future agenda, we try and get them on. So uh, we're trying to get a couple of, at least a couple of these on every agenda. Sometimes, uh, uh, we get to three, and sometimes those get lengthy. But uh, anyway, it, uh, uh, on the 17th, we had two, one being the Franklin Cultural Council, and uh, Kate Kelly uh, came before us and kind of gave us uh, an overview and of uh, 2022 uh, and really looked at 2022-2023 goals uh, with the arts and cultural grants, the festival, Franklin Cultural Festival, and as you alluded to, Steve, these are, this is a good time to put a plug in for that. Mm -hmm. Certainly next week, uh, the Franklin Cultural Festival will happen uh, and next Saturday, and uh, I don't know, for those of you who weren't at last year's cultural festival, it was a raving success. Uh, it, we had, you know, thousands of people uh, that took advantage. Uh, we close off Main Street, uh, open up the common. There's, uh, there's entertainment in uh, two or three different locations uh, within the town. There's the Dean main stage next to Dean Bank. 
There's stuff going on in, uh, at the Black Box. There's stuff going on up at the Common. Uh, stuff going on down the other end of uh, Main Street. So uh, it's just a great town, great time for the community to come together uh, and enjoy the fall season. So, uh, and the arts and culture that is available to our community. Please mark it on your calendar uh, and take a walk down to the center of town uh, next Saturday. So a week from Saturday. Uh, yeah. so then some more of their goals, the Metro West Arts and Culture Symposium in March. Uh, you know, and they, they Cultural Council did have their you know, like everyone, had their issues over the uh, through the pandemic, uh, but they've given away in twenty in twenty twenty two. They granted twenty three thousand five hundred roughly in arts and cultural programming. Uh, they got uh, roughly fourteen thousand eight hundred from Mass Cultural Council. Uh, and they used 13,000 of that uh, that was allocated to grant programming. They received 15,000 from the town, of which 10 was used to supplement grant programming. And uh, they had 40 applications, and they did were able to fund 26 different programs. In 2023, their budget, uh, they... Uh, have 8,800 in approved grants from previous years, 40,000 from the cultural festival, and that's a significant number. Uh, mm -hmm. And it just goes to show how successful our cultural festival was last year and how successful our cultural, uh, cultural festival will be this year. Uh, so, and 3,000 from the Metro West Arts and Symposium. So, uh, you know, they support the farmer's market, uh, the Girl Scouts, uh, uh, the Mass Educational Theater Guild, uh, and obviously the Cultural Festival, which is Saturday, September 10th from 12 to 6 p.m. Yeah, their funding, I think we've talked before, and certainly I've talked with Jamie as well, but their funding helped that combination between the concerts on the common and the farmer's market on the Fridays during July, August, uh, yeah, July and August primarily, um, to bring in, you know, a variety of whether it's performers, the library doing things. I mean, the between the farmer's market and then the concerts on the common movies and music and food trucks. The town common was a happening place on Fridays. <laughs> yes, it has been. And uh, it's been great. Uh, uh, and the weather has been great for it. Most of the summer, I think there was only one rain out uh, in the entire summer for uh, uh, the Fridays on the common. Mm -hmm. And then you did the green community status. Uh, yes. Jamie and Alicia. Yes, uh, and this was, uh, again, um, it's uh, our green community status uh, within the town. One, 
one of the things that uh, uh, Jamie did with this for this presentation was we had Alicia Lean, who was uh, assistant to the town administrator. It was her first opportunity at a presentation. So uh, uh, it was great to have her going, uh, coming out. And she's been an integral part in uh, uh, keeping tabs on this. And, uh, you know, I, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about uh, Mike D'Angelo, our uh, town's facilities director, uh, who's been here, gosh, uh, I think late 90s, if I'm yeah, not. Yeah, 98 or 99, I think Jamie okay. said. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who has done such a phenomenal job at uh, uh, bringing us, bringing the town of Franklin into a green status and getting declared a green community. So uh, it's a great presentation. Um, it's something that uh, I hope I'm not speaking out of turn here, but I know you can go on to the website and see the uh, entire uh, presentation. And I'm sure, Steve, you, you will have a link to it uh, uh, from your end as well. Yes, indeed. Um, clearly, the video is available via YouTube for the meeting. Um, the presentations have already been shared and will be relinked as part of the show notes for this particular episode as well. Yeah, and it's interesting, too. I remember when the application was put forward, um, some of the state requirements in order to be a green community, we had already met most of them. And kudos to Mike and then J Jeff before Jamie, et cetera, and other yeah. town departments really pulling things together. So we were already so far advanced. It was almost like we couldn't fill out the application because we were already overqualified, but they managed to do so. And we did get it, which now the best part of uh, obviously the recognition side, but we're now eligible for grants, which we can always use the money for going forward. <laughs> without without question. And that's probably the single biggest piece uh, to being named a green community is the grant money that becomes available, excuse me, uh, to the community once you are uh designated as a green community you know we we changed all the uh street lights to mm -hmm. LED, yeah, 2000 over 2000 of them uh you know where the street light conversion saved almost a uh, half a million kilowatt hours uh $75,000 and it's like a two or three year payback mm -hmm. uh you know, the town buildings uh, are replacing all the fluorescent lighting with LED lighting. Again, another $70,000 savings. The water and sewer uh, conversion, sewer pump upgrades. Uh, not and not to forget the school buildings, mm -hmm. the replacement of all of those. Uh, uh, all of those lights from fluorescent to two LEDs, and and the payback is, you know, the payback is very short term. In right. most of these cases, it's anywhere from two to 
seven years, seven or eight years at a max uh, to get payback on some of this stuff. Uh, so uh, just in the school, just in the school project, second round grant was over $150,000 that uh, we were able to get. So it's, it's a great presentation. It's a great designation that we've been able to get. And I can't thank uh, Alicia, uh, Jeff Nutting, Jamie, Mike D'Angelo, and our uh, Brutus, uh, uh, and our entire administrative team for getting being able to uh, work hard to get us this designation uh, and open the door for so many uh, grants and uh, federal and state dollars that now are available to us that weren't prior to getting that designation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's key in a couple of ways, and you touched on at least one of them, I'll add to, to the extent that while it's also reducing the amount of electricity we use, which we also get through green with the solar uh, access as well, but also allows us to save money on that electricity to boot. Um, and then, yeah. yeah the key piece really positions us to get the grants that will combine and allow us to do other things going forward. So yeah, it's clearly a win-win and it's, it's a happy piece to have. And then you move into at least three key pieces of legislation that I saw from the agenda, two of which were really the second approvals um, to formalize that affordable, affordable housing trust uh, alignment. And then the second piece that also been discussed to authorize the town clerk to make some of the minor enumeration changes to bylaws as they come through the approval process. Right. And, and those are basically bylaw amendments. Uh, it was the second reading in the actual passage of those uh, bylaw amendments. Uh, the one just uh, for the Affordable Housing Trust is just adding a vice chair and a clerk positions as the state uh, now mandates that you have to have those two positions. So we had to uh, change our, uh, or put an amendment to our bylaw, adding those two positions. Uh, and then the uh, uh, authorizing the town clerk to make format changes again uh, with the recent uh, election uh, changes over the last a uh, few years. Uh, this is something that just uh, gives the town clerk uh, the authority to make some very minor changes without having to come back to the council uh, to get these done. Yeah, and those as for the listeners' awareness, if you're not aware, every time there is a bylaw uh, amendment, change, introduction, that all gets loaded into the town code, which is available through the franklinmass.gov. And occasionally, you know, occasionally, they find that uh, there was a reference to a prior piece and maybe the numbering was wrong. So it's those kinds of technical changes, not to the intent and or the content of the bylaw itself. It's just the reference points that are being now authorized to be changed on the fly, if you will, as opposed to 
creating the delay, coming back to the process for an approval for maybe a typo. <laughs> you know, the, these are just to a degree, uh, you might refer to them as just a little house cleaning, but uh, uh, these are the kinds of things that we have to do to bring our uh, to bring our charter and bring our bylaws uh, into line with the state mandates. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then the other piece for reference was a first reading and then the sewer map uh, gets extended once in a while when there's a particular either adjustment or um, a new house or a house that where the uh, Title V uh, septic system has failed and they can't really redo it. Um, then they seek for an amendment to get uh, added to the water sewer map, um, in which case there's a two-step process. So the second reading, um, or you approved to put it to a second reading, second which reading. I believe is up on the September 7th ag uh, agenda as well. That's correct. Every once in a while, uh, you know, there were... There were parts of the community at different times where water wasn't available at one time, all of a sudden becomes available. Or there's a uh, uh, problem with uh, uh, a septic system or whatever you, you need to tie in. And these are uh, looked at on an individual case-by-case -case basis. Uh, and the DPW town engineer get involved and uh, goes through the proper procedures and ultimately has to be signed off by the council. So that's basically what that was for. Uh, then we had a couple of acceptances, you know, not the least of which was uh, uh, a gift acceptance on the uh, where we were given three drones uh to the police department and uh actually came into use uh like the week before we uh uh we met on the 17th so these are things that uh we appreciate the fact that uh, our community is always uh very generous with their funds and in some cases equipment which in this particular case was some equipment that was uh, passed on passed on to the uh, police department, and then we had some uh, gift acceptances for uh, uh, veteran services, uh, fire department, police department, uh, and then we had our infamous monthly uh, cable fund uh, peg service. Mm -hmm programming transfer that we have to do uh on a regular basis so uh and that pretty much was it for uh the august meeting yeah and as we mentioned it was only one meeting in august you've got uh having had the summer behind us now now you've got two meetings a month for the rest of the year fiscal uh, year included so there's plenty of business to be done and to uh, be had but yes and uh you know our next week's agenda is uh uh pretty much a normal agenda uh the next few after that are pretty pretty loaded so mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of stuff going on a lot of good things going on um and uh we ask people to please continue to tune in 
And I thank you for taking time because for the listeners, hopefully you've at now at least however long the meetings are, two, three, sometimes four hours, <laughs> we at least condense it into this 20, 30, sometimes 40 minutes, but you at least get the gist of what happened in a format. And certainly you can come back to Tom or myself if you need further clarifications. The links are loaded in regards to the to the presentations, the town page. Uh, the video and other audio when available as they're shared. So there's plenty of information out there and way to get at it. But certainly we do encourage you to be aware, take part. Um, there is a lot going on and you can always help. Well, and thank you again for taking time this Thursday, Tom. And um, we'll be back next week with another session. I look forward to it, Steve. And thank you again for having me. Thank you for taking of your time to do this for our community. And for the listeners, a final reminder, we do this because Franklin matters. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tintype Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. By the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.